my, my goal is really simple. Make a difference in the world. That's it. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Jonathan Asley. Jonathan was referred to us by Cindy Bidar, our guest on show number 125. Known as America's leading midlife dating and relationship coach, Jonathan is a defender and protector of women's hearts around the world. He helps women transform from attracting Mr. Wrong into finding their Mr. Right. Jonathan, a successful entrepreneur, coach, speaker and author of Amazon number one new release, What the Heck is Self Love Anyway? Jonathan is like a guy spy to the male mind who truly understands the way a single or divorced man thinks and acts. He's a master helping women recognise and distinguish the difference between men who are emotionally unavailable from those who are truly ready for love. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Jonathan Hasley. Welcome Jonathan for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be sharing with you today. Lovely. So start by telling us who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it. Okay. Well, who I am, I'm, I'm a dating and relationship coach. And, and if, I, if I really kind of look at how I am operating, I'm a dating relationship coach for women that specializes in midlife. And the only reason why I pause there for a moment is that I'm shifting more to being like a life coach. So to incorporate more than just the dating and relationship aspect. So, um, but that's what I do professionally. And where I do it, I'm, I have a home-based business, or I mean, I mean, really, it's more of a la- laptop-based business because you can, I don't have to do it from <laughs> home, I can do it from anywhere <laughs> for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. A green person still sitting in a caravan, as listeners will know. Yeah. <laughs> Why you do what you do? So why I do what I do? Well, after turning forty and going through a divorce a little over a couple, it feels like decades ago, but I mean about a decade and a half ago. Um, I found myself out in the single world and I was doing online dating and to be candid, I got addicted to online dating. I got addicted to the high of connecting with people. And what interestingly happened was I was so addicted. I was just talking to people, to women, I should say, uh, <laughs> consistently yeah. every day. I mean, through instant message and telephone calls and texting and everything. 
And I was actually developing friendships with a lot of women online that I would probably never meet because I was talking to them all over the country. And after a while, some women just asked me for advice on how to improve their dating profile. So I just started to give my, you know, the male perspective on helping a woman, you know, change her, you know, up, improve her dating profile. And then after they did it, I'd get phone calls like weeks later going, oh my God, I met a great guy. Can you read his profile and tell me what you think? And, um, <laughs> and so then I started to give perspective on what I was looking into in the males, you know, the men's profiles. And I was like, and I, at the time I was dating, or prior to that, I, I, or one point in my life, I dated an internet marketer. Or, you know, I mean, she's a transformational coach and actually a very famous one. And I'm not going to share her name publicly, but I got to see her world. And I'm like, God, I'm being asked to help improve online dating profiles. And I was coaching women for free. Like, why not start a business? And I put up a website. Well, first I wrote a, a I'll be candid. I wrote a cheesy ebook called Online Dating Secrets Revealed. And I only say it's cheesy because it was like 30, 40 pages of an ebook. I put it on a website and then I started to sell some of it. And then I started to get calls to do radio shows and got called to do an interview for a, for a pilot. And I'm like, Oh shoot, this was a hobby. Now it's turning into a business. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's moved from being purely relationship coaching into life coaching. You, you said at the beginning and how's that transition happened? Well, the trans transitions happen for a couple of reasons because um, I, the, the dating conversation to me is getting to be so noisy and a lot of people are out there are, are teaching dating techniques, you know, how to do this to get the guy or how to text a guy back or what to do when a breakup happens or what to do when he disappears. And here's the thing. A lot of this advice out there is generalized and, and one size doesn't fit all. And so there's a lot of confusion out there. And I, I was, and what I've come to realize is that dating and or being in a relationship can trigger the number one emotional health issue facing, well, I'm here in the United States, but I mean, it could be all over the world. And that is a lack of inner self-worth, a lack of, of self-confidence, a lack of self-reliance, a lack of self-discipline, a lack of self-esteem. Um, and dating can trigger that. So what my conversation lately has been more about building from the inside out, because whether you are in a relationship or not, what's most important is having a happy you. And I say that capitalized with an exclamation point, Y-O-U. And that's the conversation I'm leaning more into these days from a professional standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can see that. It's interesting thing about the whole concept of relationship coaches. It must be quite a, a new thing, as in, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I can't imagine people would have said that, but they must have, people must have been helping people all along. We just didn't have names for it or... Uh, you know, we didn't sort of position ourselves in that sort of way. But uh, when you start to move into, as you say, helping people individually with their self-esteem and all that sort of thing, again, we wouldn't have called it that 40 years ago, but that people must have been, you know, talking to people and helping people forever. 
Well, I think Tony, like, well, I'd like to talk into that for a couple of reasons. A, um, you know, 30, 40 years ago, dating is actually a relatively new phenomenon. I, it used to be, you know, for thousands of years, you mated with someone just to have sex oftentimes, and then you became in a committed relationship, or there were arranged marriages. And dating has only really been around for the last 40 or 50 years. Um, and what's uniquely different now because of the internet, it's changed everything. Because it used to be you would meet your partner based on proximity. In other words, if they lived in the same town or you went to the same school or you worked at the same place, that's where you met your mate. And now, because of the internet, you have access to all these places to meet people. Um, and I think the other thing that changed, you know, Tony Robbins back in the 80s and, and late 80s and early 90s really was the first one to begin the push of coaching. Not dating coaching, but coaching, right? And so in the last two decades, the whole coaching industry in general, the whole home-based business in general has blossomed because of, you know, I think Tony Robbins has been one of the, on the forefront of that. And, mm -hmm. um, and because of the internet and because of, la you know, laptop-based businesses. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think back to me, I met my husband 17 years ago on the internet and I was, I was featured in a magazine because it was such an unusual thing to do in those days. Now, now almost 50% of couples uh, today are meeting through an online connection, whether it's a mm. dating site, a swipe app, a Facebook, a chat room. I, for, and let me clarify this. For the demographics that I talk to, the over 45 crowd, um, yeah. you mostly are meeting through some sort of online connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about in the business world? Do you think... There's a lot of, of uh, getting together of people because they're in the same sort of space, but you know, not intentionally dating, but people meet because they're working together in some shape or form. Do you mean, well, are we talking the real world or the virtual world of the laptop based yeah, business? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know either. <laughs> I think that's well, the point, isn't it? <laughs> well, well, here's the thing for, for the longest time, there was a good chance, you know, up until about the 1990s, there was a good chance your mate, you were going to meet at work. Mm. But that was based on proximity. In other words, you saw each other every day, you built some familiarity, you, there was some comfort and say, hey, do you want to catch a drink after work? And bump, 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 you know, they ended up getting married kind of thing. Um, in the yeah. virtual world, it's a lot different. You know, it's interesting. I've been working with a, uh, I have a virtual assistant I've been working with for I want to say nine years now. And we didn't meet for seven of those nine years. And then finally she was, she lives in um, Michigan and I live in Los Angeles and she was in, in Las Vegas doing an event. I go, okay, I'll drive out to meet you. You know, so, <laughs> you know, I connect with a lot of people virtually. Um, yeah. And in my social circle, or at least in my demographic of dating relationship coach, about nine years ago, we actually started the ones here locally, actually decided to get together a couple times a year on a social um, basis because we, we just, you know, it was like so frustrating to work from home and not have
connection with other people. So we get together a couple times a year, have so you know, hang out, you know, you know, find out what you're doing and blah blah blah. Um, so it's mm. kind of a my mastermind, but it's not really. It's a social mastermind. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting about how, as you say, we build strong relationships online. I remember one of my guests, Wendy Keir, right from the early days of the podcast, came to stay for the weekend a couple of years ago, and we went to a neighbor's party, and they were like incredulous because actually we'd known each other about five years, but we'd never met until like the night before that party. <laughs> I thought that was very odd. <laughs> Well, your <laughs> one of your guests, one of your guests, uh, Cindy Badar, is I've been working with yeah. her. For, this is the one I was sharing with you earlier. I mean, it took it took seven years before we could meet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. So, what about how how this works? So, how do you work with people? What do your days look like? You know, that's an interesting question because. You know, my passion is to help. And I'll be candid. I'm kind of a terrible business person. Uh, <laughs> I, and I think on some level, this is kind of indicative of the coaching industry, if you will. Um, those of us who really genuinely want to make a difference in a world and really want to help. And, and one of my weaknesses is that I haven't, I don't have a system, systematized business. Now, let me backtrack. When I say weakness, that may, that may not be a fair characterization. Um, be, and, and what I mean to say is my, my, my day routine, you know, going back to your question, is I do a lot of content uh, creation. I blog. I shoot videos. Um, but I don't do it on any sort of, you know, um, like I don't have it on my calendar per se. I do it based on how I feel. And why I'm sharing this mm. with your audience, because I kind of operate my business more from a Zen perspective than a mm -hmm. logical perspective. And what I mean by logical, by systematized and goals and that sort of thing. And Joe, partly it's because systems and goals frustrate me goals frustrate me because every time i've set a goal you know i, I don't achieve it and it gets frustrating to me like a, you know they say set big goals or set little goals all that stuff. so my, my goal is really simple make a difference in the world that's it and i allow trust to navigate my life and but I, but I want to share this with you. It wasn't always that way. It was about eight years ago when I, you know, I started this business about nine years ago. I started doing this nine years ago. Um, and I had only $50,000 in the bank. And I was literally each month going through my savings, just trying to get this business going. And at first, I was offering coaching for like Starbucks cards. Send me a Starbucks card and I'll coach you. And then it was like, I started one of those dollar a minute phone lines, you know, and then at some point I increased it to $2 a minute and then I increased it to $3 a minute. That was like how I was bringing in income and, and my focus was helping people bring it and, and bring in income. But I created, yeah. a I created a mantra for myself and my mantra was simple. My monthly income exceeds my monthly expenses. My monthly income exceeds my monthly expenses. And then in about 2011, I'll never forget this. This was November of 2011. And I kept saying this mantra for six months straight. My monthly income exceeds my monthly expenses. 
And I tried and I focused on being happy when I said it. November 2011 was the first month that my income exceeded my expenses. And then the next month, in, my income exceeded my expenses. And the next month. And all along the way, I began increasing my expenses. <laughs> and at some point within a year, my expenses had doubled. And so had my income. My income exceeds my monthly expenses. And I realized that for years, I operated based on goals and worry, 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 worry. Would I make the money? I was constantly worried. And when I let go of worry, the money just started to arrive. Mm. And, and so I operate. That's why I said earlier, I kind of operate from a Zen perspective. What's my objective? I want to make a difference in the world. That's how I get up in the morning. How can I make a difference in someone's life? And when I say the world, let me, let me make that, because that's so you know, uh, macro. Let me bring it to the micro. How can, I bring, how can I make a difference in one person's life today is kind of the way I operate. And I trust that the revenue will find its way to me. Now, I know a lot of people yeah. listening would be go, wow, that's a lot of woo-woo and blah, blah, blah. It took me a long time to trust, but now I literally know that the universe has my back. Mm. So, yeah, you said before we started, you said, oh, I don't really have systems. <laughs> Do you really want to interview me? And, you know, my, yeah. my comment was, this is about, you know, us all sharing all different ways of, of being. And, um, I sort of, I sort of get what you're saying. I mean, I um I keep listening to um people saying that uh, sort of to organise your tasks, you should um, block out your calendar, and if it's not on your calendar, it doesn't get done, and all this sort of stuff. And and I've tried that in the past, and it never works for me because I hate that structure. I have to have much, much more fluidity. I wouldn't yeah. say I go as far as your fluidity, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I you know, it has. Yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say, I do work with a, like my virtual assistant and I've worked with other, you know, I have a people that help me with writing and such like that. So I have a little team. Yeah. If you will. Um, on mm -hmm. some level, we have a structure the way we work together. Um, and, and for the most part, you know, I, we've set it up such that I, I made it such that I created it very simple. In other words, rather than creating a complex business with a lot of moving parts, I just make it simple, which allows me to navigate from this Zen perspective. I mean, if I had a business with a lot of moving parts, and I don't mean that literally, I mean that figuratively, right? Yeah. yeah. Then, it, then, then that would require much more attention and more systems. I've intentionally mm -hmm. created a very simple way of how my business is run. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I will tell you, you know, I'll be candid with you. I'm going through a shift as I was sharing with your, with you and your audience, you know, shifting kind of from the dating conversation, which requires me to, I'm going to do an overhaul to my website. I'm going to do some many changes and this is going to require, you know, doing some systems, right? <laughs> but I, <laughs> I leverage the people that are better at doing this stuff than me. Mm. And that's one of the keys is being able to 
utilize the resources around me, like my virtual assistant and my website person and, and that sort of thing. Um, because they're better at those systems than I am. Yeah, yeah. So you've mentioned that and you've mentioned talk, working with a VA over a number of years and also we're talking about that whole sort of fluidity thing. How do you ensure that they know what they need to do and that you know that they've done it or not, um, given, you know, there is that flexibility? You know, it's interesting. Um, and, and sometimes my, my, my assistant, I don't like even using the term assistant because she's really a business professional. So uh, I'll just say my partner, if you will. I mean, even though it's not really mm -hmm. a business partner, I feel like there's a, there's a, a, a partnership there. Um, for a while there, I used to nitpick, you know, like I'd send something and I didn't get a response back and I'd nitpick kind of did things get done. Um, it took me a while to let go of that kind of anal retentive part of me. Um, and because we didn't, we, we, you know, we, we use some apps like, you know, what it's shared calendar or some other, you know, types of apps, but I'm terrible at technology. I mean, look what happened. I, you and I couldn't get on go, I couldn't get on go meeting to do it. Now we have to do it on zoom. Um, you know what we, my, the, the, my team that I've been working with has been with me so long that we've just built trust with one another. I literally just know they'll get it done. And the other day we, we did have a glitch the other day, something didn't get done. And it turned out, I thought I'd sent an email and I kept emailing him. I go, did you get this done? He goes, what are you talking about? And I realized, my email had been sitting in the draft folder. I never hit send. It's so rare <laughs> though, because I have built trust. And that yeah. built trust, but I just trust. And you know, here's the bottom line. You know, there's always gonna be mistakes, but when you put together a team that really has your back, you know what, rather than, for at least for me, I've let go of that picky part and just operate, like I said, more Zen and, th and things just, you know what, when you operate from a place of everything is going to work out for you, life just becomes a lot simpler and easier. Mm. At least it is for me. Mm. Yeah. 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 So any tips for enabling that to happen? I mean, you talked <laughs> about trust, but you literally, you know, you, you look for somebody to work with you and that doesn't happen overnight. How do you develop that? So, well, first, uh, you know, when I was introduced to my, uh, you know, my assistant partner, however you want to call it, um, it was through a referral <laughs> yeah. and I trusted the referral. So that was like the first thing. And you know, it took us a little while to get to know each other. It's almost like dating. You know? <laughs> I mean, a relationship with someone you're working with is very much like dating. And so um, it took a little bit of time to get to know each other and to, you know, work together. And one of the things I did was I was, I didn't mind investing a little more money by having uh, a weekly or bi-weekly meetings. And we used to schedule 30 minute meeting just to check in with each other. And we did this for years. And it got to a point where we go, you know, we don't need these meetings. You know, we have already built this rapport with each other. We started to then shift to like once a first it was twice a week, then it was once a week, then it was once a month kind of thing. We and mm -hmm. like in other words, we it 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 was the relationship was a separate entity, and 
it started off by dating each other first to get to know one another and now we've built um, you know rapport and trust with each other that I don't even give it a second thought mm. Mm. but that took time it's it's very much like a relationship and and I think what's most important there was a give give to each other it, it and I say this it was you know it's very important because I gave in the relationship and what I, not just the money piece you know I gave it, there was an emotional piece attached and and I genuinely can say I love my VA you know I mean I say that to her I, I love you <laughs> and, <laughs> and since love is a message from me on a professional level um, that's so important to me like I'm when I said earlier I'm here to make a difference in the world and make a difference in someone's life what I mean by that is I want to that comes from a place of love and many people you know a lot of people throw around the words I love you and like the, but very few people I've come to realize recognize the real power of love when you just come from a loving place in your heart and that's what mm -hmm. I'm here to kind of be both a message for and I've been able to establish that in the business relationships that I have. Yeah, yeah. So changing the subject a little bit and going back to the fact that um, you're in LA. Yeah. <laughs> what about keep what about keeping healthy? From from over here we, we think LA's like the real place to, <laughs> to to really look after yourself. Is that is that generically true? <laughs> and what about for you? Well, this is a great question because, you know, here in the United States, um, our, our country is a is very unhealthy country um, on so many different levels. And, I, and I've done a lot of research on food and health and I've come to realize, and this isn't systemic of just Los Angeles or you know Los Angeles tends to be like you know if you don't have six-pack ab and a beautiful body you, you're rejected <laughs> as the impression um, yeah but I've, I've, I've watched a lot of documentaries at the beginning of this year about food and I've come to realize that processed foods are very unhealthy for us and so I actually shifted the way I view food um, back in February of this year and I, within two months, lost 25 pounds. I'm actually almost at the weight I was when I graduated college, and which was 30 plus years ago. And why I'm sharing this with you is, you know, health. Oh, and by the way, physically, everything inside of me changed. And one of the main things that changed, I had high blood pressure. Uh, I had blood pressure of 170 over 110. Like it was bad and I was seeing doctors and I was taking medicine and the medicine wasn't doing anything. I changed my diet. Now my blood pressure is 130 over 85. Like I'm literally for my age at perfect blood pressure by just changing mm. the way I eat. And, and because of that, I have more vitality. I have more energy. Um, and why, and by the way, this is a little bit of, I'm on the bandwagon on really promoting an understanding about how food is fuel and most yeah. people think of food as comfort and 
and I shared with you earlier, I'm, I'm here to kind of spread a message of love. I, I wrote a book um, that was published this year and actually made Amazon bestseller or, um, for new releases called What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? And it's about loving oneself and loving others. Um, and really kind of, and when I say loving oneself, I mean self-worth, self-confidence, self-reliance, self-esteem, those self-words. And one of the chapters in it is called um, Your Body is a Machine, Not a Temple. <laughs> and, and why I'm sharing this is because health is an important part of, of, of self-love, self-worth. And, and there's another chapter in there called Be a Good Steward of Your Money because we're talking about business and money. So money, you know, physical health, all are equations to our happiness, you know, like a relationship would be. So um, mm. I'm a huge proponent of encouraging education on understanding the importance of how food is fuel and not for comfort. Yeah. It's interesting. I saw on Facebook yesterday a picture of a beach in the 1970s and the person was making the comment that there, there wasn't the level of obesity, you know, in those days. Uh, it's interesting how much things have changed in, you know, such a, a short space of time. And as you say, it's, it's, it's the, the food that we're eating, you know, in the main from everything that I've also researched as well, as opposed to necessarily how much of it we're eating intentionally, you know, as in yeah. we know the food industry are trying to get us to eat lots. So we do because that's what the food's making us do as opposed to because we've all just got um, out of control, really. You know, I, you brought up something really huge, and that is I, I was watching a documentary about an Aborigine tribe that up until 50 years ago was the healthiest people on the planet kind of thing. And mm -hmm. 50 years ago, they introduced a convenience store nearby. And we're talking yeah. about, and so their health dra dramatically dropped to being one of the sickest people on the planet because at this convenience, because in the past they hunted for their food and they ate from the, from the earth. And now they're, like you could see them drinking bottles of Mountain Dew and eating potato chips and all of a sudden their entire health dropped and now there's scientists coming in to trying to heal them kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And when I saw that, I came to realize, again, the importance of recognizing that food is fuel and not for comfort. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what about learning and, and improving yourself? You, you clearly help your clients to do that in one shape or another, and you've just shared already something that you've been learning this year. How do you do that on an ongoing basis? Mm, I love this question because when I wrote my book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway?, it's really an invitation at the end for a person to begin a personal development, self-help, and spiritual practice. And when I use the word spiritual, I don't mean religious. I just mean self-discovery. Mm -hmm. And in my personal life, I invest hours in both myself and learning. In other words, when I say myself is recognizing when ego is in my, you know, when ego is blocking love. In other words, I'm not coming from a loving place. I'm coming from an egoic or fear-based place. So 
I work on it by, by reading a lot of books and being part of a, a daily morning study group. And, um, and I probably watch at least one or two hours a day of documentaries um, to better, to, I'm going to use the word better myself, but just, you know, to tap into more happiness in my life, because I feel like the, the antidote to suffering, in other words, suffering is the reason why we're not why people aren't happy. And the antidote to that is love and learning. Um, Tony Robbins, I mentioned him earlier, has what he calls the hour of power. Um, I spend more than that, but I encourage everyone to at least invest 15 minutes a day, whether it's meditation, whether it's watching a documentary, doing something, because I think that's a lot better than watching the Kardashians. You know, I, I understand the value of entertainment, but happiness starts from investing in oneself. And what's sad as a country here, at least, and I don't know what it's like in the UK and other places, you know, the investment is to, most people invest outside of themselves and then they wonder why they're miserable. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. I was talking to somebody earlier about who'd, who'd um, got a bit of money to spend on something stuff whatever <laughs> um and uh, you know i was sort of counseling and saying you know it doesn't go very far don't spend it on stuff <laughs> yeah and uh you know spend it on on asset you know things that would be classed as assets like learning and and things that are going to help you to be happier or more well off or, or whatever yeah. in the future because it's so easy just to spend money on or spend your time on things that uh, you know are fun in the moment but don't actually move anything forwards for you um, can I share something really personal that might help illustrate this? Mm, please do. So I shared with you, I went through a divorce and I began dating, you know, I kind of fell into this dating coaching business. Um, what happened to me during that time is I went through a divorce. I lost my quarter million dollar sales job at the same time. Um, and then a few years later, the market crash of 2008 financially wiped me out. I literally at one point was living in a $2 million home and I then had to, at 45, had to move in with my mom and dad and they lived in a retirement community. I mean, I went from being a millionaire to, you know, remember I shared I like $50,000 left in the bank account and I was doing this. Mm -hmm. During that mm -hmm. time, I saw the movie The Secret and 2006 and then, um, and then I watched What the Bleep, and then I started to read books on personal development and self-help, and I just, I just kept feeding my soul, just kept feeding it, feeding it, feeding it. And as a way to kind of heal from the inside out, because I was in so much pain and suffering over losing my money, losing my marriage, losing, you know, like a, be, being in shame that I had to live with my mom and dad in a retirement community. By the way, I subsequently moved out five years later and I now live at the beach with an ocean view and I drive a convertible. So why I'm sharing this with you is last year I suffered one of the most traumatic events in my life. I lost my 19 year old son to an accident. And if anyone who's a parent listening to this, um, 
you know, I would probably say that the worst thing that you can happen in your life is losing a child. Um, and while whether you're a parent or not, you know, most everyone can empathize with that. And I can tell mm -hmm. you, I lived 19 years of his life worrying that something would happen to him. I lived in constant worry. And then boom, yeah. when I worried about happened. What was fascinating to me, I always thought that would take me down the rabbit trail of, you know, no return. In other words, emotionally no mm -hmm. return, physically no return. And I recognized that it was myself, it was my personal development, self-help, spiritual practice that prepared me for this traumatic event. And and actually it inspired the book that I wrote. I actually, two months after this happened, I began writing about self-love, not, not really knowing what it was. I was just writing what I was feeling. And then nine months to the date of him passing, I published it. A month later, it was Amazon bestseller. Uh, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and during the writing period, I realized that the vaccination or antidote to you know, suffering and chaos is working on oneself. Um, actually improving and bettering oneself from not from the egoic place, but from a love-based place, you know, and I use the word egoic because no offense to anyone who likes watching the Kardashian, that's your ego being fed. That's not feeding your soul. That's a distraction to the pain in life. And my invitation is to lean into the pain, work through the pain. So when something like this happens, and it doesn't have to be the death of a child. It could be a loss of a relationship. It could be a loss of a, you know, it could be a loss of a, a family member or something else, or it just could be that you're, you know, some, you know, something happened at work, whatever it is, you're prepared for it. And I feel like that foundation of personal development has helped me create my own sovereignty. Mm -hmm. To use an English word. <laughs> yes, yes, and, yeah, and, yeah. And while I can't say that, you know, I'm, I haven't been in pain over his loss, I certainly have a lot of pain. I didn't go down the rabbit hole of despair. No. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, and I'll just come on to the last couple of questions of the interview. And normally I ask, what do you do on a day where it all goes horribly wrong? I'm not going to ask you that because I think you've um, <laughs> gone some way to answering that in that, that, uh, that story. Um, what about on the flip side, on those days where you feel like you've had the chance to um, live more, and that's why I talk about get to do more of the stuff that you want to do and less of the stuff that you feel you have to do or you should do. What do your days look like? What does my days look like? Yeah, where you've been living more, where you've been doing the things you really want to do. So I, um, I, I love this question because I, I start each morning with a slight bit of relaxation and meditation. I tend to get up around five, five thirty every morning. Um, I start with that. And then, um, I briefly, um, do a bit of work for about an hour. It could be blogging. It could be writing. It could be shooting some videos, uh, for my group. And then I go to, I have a, from 8 a.m. I'm missing it today, but at 8 a.m. every morning I do a study group. Um, uh, uh, around self-love and then and I actually do that while I walk so I actually live it by the ocean I walk the beach every morning um, for I try to get a four or five mile walk in 
And then I come back and, and I, I do a little bit of work. I, um, I do a bit of studying. Um, and then depending on what my calendar looks like for private coaching clients, you know, I, I have created a lot of space for that. But I operate, you know, when I, I think I forgot who wrote the book, The Four Hour Work Week. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Um, I kind of Tim operate. Ferris. Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I, I kind yeah. of operate from the premise of a four hour work day. In other words, it's mm -hmm. that's it. I I now I'm sharing this with you because I used to work in the corporate world. I go into yeah. an office every morning and I would literally be there 10 hours. But if I actually calculated my actual work time, it probably was less than three. A lot of it was mm -hmm. just bullshit, you know, talking, shuffling papers, doing stuff that made it look like I was busy, but I was there just to physically have a presence. I'm not saying all days were like that, but a lot of days were like that. So what's most important is I put in quality time of work, not quantity. Yeah. And that allows for a ton of self-reflection and I communicate with my circle of friends throughout the day. I stay connected to my community. Um, I nurture my soul because it's part of what my gift is to be out there to, to teach is my, my own journey is what I want to share with people. And I'm grateful to be able to share this with your community because hopefully maybe someone else might shift from a grind work day to coming from a place of love, which actually opens you up to more hours in the day. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's been a really interesting interview because <laughs> as you said before we started, it's different to a lot of the interviews and, and it's been, uh, as you say, it's about love and about self-development and self-reflection, which has been really interesting. So thank you, Jonathan. Thanks so much for for sharing that. Tell people how they can find out more about you and, and get in contact with you. Well, Joe, real quick, I want to thank you so much. You're a great interviewer. And I really just, <laughs> I, I love the energy you put out, you have just such, you have, you have great energy. And I just wanted to say that out loud and for those listening, okay? Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So um, my website is jonathanaslay.com. There might be a link somewhere here. Um, <laughs> And, um, that will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. And my book is, uh, and my book is called "What the Heck Is Self Love," which, if you went to selflovethebook.com, selflovethebook.com, you can check it out. I'm, it's it's a passion project for me, and I believe that it's a doorway to, for you to, for anyone who reads it, to begin a real practice of loving on oneself. And I'm a big proponent of that. So, and then um, you can find me on social media, that sort of thing as well, just by Googling my name. Brilliant. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. Attention home-based coaches and consultants. Are you tired of feeling alone, isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business? Are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, 
Stop creating the will and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. Use your power to live more. 